Episode 37 of the Slow Spin Society Podcast. I am Paul, your usual co-host, and I am, as always, with your other co-host. Hey, Fabian. Hi, I'm Florian. <laughs> and today we're going to talk about influences, influencers, and the fixed gear community. I mean, in cycling in general. But just before that, if you want to hear more about immigration in Japan or Singapore, uh, bull sperm, <laughs> and some very well-known US brands, but bought out by the Netherlands, then you should listen to the pre-show. You can access the extended conversation at patreon.com slash podcast or by subscribing directly on Apple Podcast. All right, let's dive into the main show and let's dive into influences in fixed gear and what do we mean by that so yeah influences i think over the past five years we've probably all heard of like influencers and instagram and yeah all of these different things supposedly influencing you on social media and i think the fixed gear community isn't well cycling in general isn't really isolated from that from that phenomenon so yeah definitely so when we talk of influences, we think of like, why do people buy product A instead of product B? Or why do people wear these clothes instead of these clothes? Or why do people cycle this way instead of this way, etc., etc.? Because all of these are based... Because I mean, yeah, of course, people have their own choices in the end, but something external to you influences why you make these decisions. And that can be friends, that can be social media, that could be some random guy yelling at you on the street, who knows? <laughs> Just to do it, just to do it in the street, you know, like, it's like your bike sucks. Oh my god, I need to buy a new pair of wheels. <laughs> I can tell it's Chinese carbon, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all get we all get influenced by different means, and that's that's definitely a big part of the community. I think it's part of every community, to be honest. Just social uh, you life. Can, yeah it's just social life and there is like different ways but what could be the main way to influence your choice over something so like of course it when you when you're in like a small like i think especially in like a niche subculture like fixed recycling where everyone kind of knows each other and you know there's not that many people it's i think it's easy to be influenced by whatever people say like if I mean, of course, like, you could be a person that doesn't give a shit about this, but if you post a bike online and it's always, like, the same, let's say, 2,000 people that will see it, and then people are all like, oh, that's not good, you should be you should be aligning the the, the valves with the, the logo of the tire, whatever, like, like shit like that. It, of course, you will, you will do it in the end because, like, you're like, oh, everyone thinks I should do it, I should probably do it, and... and yeah. If you, if you didn't interact with these people to begin with, you, you would have never have known and you would have been happy anyway. So that kind of influence would be what, like the internet, social medias? Yeah, well, I think it's just like normal normal um, interactions, but I think like social media makes it really like in your face. And I think yeah. especially because of social media, people think they can just say whatever they want about your bike. Like if, if you met someone in real life for the first time for the first like two three times you're not going to start criticizing their bike or telling them they should be doing something differently right like it's not like something that a normal person would do i think social media gives people like they think they have this power to force everyone into the same shape for some reason yeah that's why sometimes you see so many dudes getting i mean that's the perfect example for me and I know because I did it, but, you know, they're getting like the new frame or whatever. And they're building it the same way, you know, like, oh, yeah. Thompson seat post, Thompson stem, uh, physics saddle and whatever drops, Omniums or Sugino 75s, you know, Chinelli so frame. The, the, that kind of mindset, the, that kind of default setting. 
Yeah. And like that's like in everywhere in life as well, right? Like if you stay with the status quo, with just the normal, what everyone is used to, you will not have extreme reactions to it. Most people will be fine with it. Most people will say, yeah, oh yeah, well, cool, whatever. But if you go too far from the main, then people will start criticizing you, right? And I think that's kind yeah. of ironic as well with like the fixed gear community that I think, I mean, of course, the fixed gear community is not like one big they have one mind or something. It's a bunch of people, but but it's like <laughs> the uni mind. Yeah, the uni mind. <laughs> but it's like we're different from normal cycling. We are, we are, uh, we're different. We're special. And then if you do something a tiny bit different from everyone else, we're we're not that special, man. Not that different. Go back to, to what we're doing. That's too far. Too far. You crazy? <laughs> it's like, and like it tries to be in this own like self-contained. Okay, we're giving you three options. What you can do? Zip. Thompson, Envy, Ginelli, Mash. That's it. No, nothing else. Everything else is too crazy, man. Yeah, rides a fixed gear. Looks, looks at its mom like, I am a very special boy now. <laughs> That's like a perfect example to show the scene of how it can be in the fixed gear community as well. Yeah, I feel on on the other end, you know, a lot of people they start with those components for me it's kind of a, a good example okay yeah but those people started with the same components and everyone is different the way you ride um the way your body is shaped your budget for buying parts or just the opportunity the opportunities you have to to buy certain parts or gears etc everybody is different and I feel like even if a lot of bikes are going to start the same way, they're going to evolve into something that is always super different. Uh, stickers that you're going to put onto your frame, uh, the, the wear that you're going to put onto your frame, the parts that you're going to switch out because it's more comfy or it goes faster, you know? I feel that even if you start with that default setting, Thompson everything and a pair of uh, archetypes a lot of people are gonna switch from that and ev evolve you know yeah and I, I, I definitely think like how susceptible you are to influences online is also like depends on your age and just your maturity in general I mean I'm I'm not gonna say that I'm like like somehow isolated from this I also get influenced of course but I think the older you are, generally, the more you understand how little it matters in the end, right? Like what, what other True. people think. Like, I mean, of course, it goes to an extreme when you're like 65 and you're just like scratching your nuts in public. I mean, like you're like, oh, <laughs> just, the, just the old guy, he, he doesn't care anymore. That's a bit too far, maybe. But like in, in between, you know, <laughs> like you, you just do things for yourself rather than for other people. And then the people who are okay with that, those are probably the people you want to be surrounded by rather than yeah. those that want you to change for some reason but of course it's easy for it's easy for me or anyone to say these things while sitting at home you know talking to to you to you but in practice of course it's, it's more difficult to be like ah all these people they're, they're, they're probably wrong i i should do my own thing it's it's a pressure in the end like peer pressure even if, if they're not forcing you it just feels like this massive force trying to like change you yeah and i mean I am telling all of that, but I am writing a mash frame with zip wheels, zip peripherals, an NV bar, and Sugino 75s. So I am in the absolute ballpark of, yeah, the, the default settings, default default premium, let's say. Yeah, I was going to say, like, like if, if Todd Howard made a new Skyrim game and that's like for just with bikes, that would be like the default character. <laughs> 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 but you don't change anything. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> yep, that's it. <laughs> uh, but no, I mean, of course, like you can still enjoy your bike, even if it's like every other bike. But of course, I think if you never had started with like Instagram or something and you only stick with like four or five people who are also like that, you just naturally evolve into whatever is naturally best for you, right? Yeah. I'm not, I'm not talking about you specifically, I'm just like in general, of course. Yeah. Uh, do you think because every everyone has that tendency to go towards the same thing, some people would like to go the opposite way, 
and that creates for very strong contrast into the fixed gear community. I, I definitely think so, and I mean, it's more props to to the. I think, I mean, of course, like whatever. More props to the people that doing that are doing their own thing, because for sure they're also kind of getting criticism from the others or comments or just like some remarks here and there, but they they stay true to to themselves and they do their own thing. And I think it's nice to see like just more diversity in the fixed gear cycling community, whether it's with people or styles or riding, whatever, just, just something different, you know, it's refreshing to see. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I felt that. But I think like what, like the reason for people picking, let's say like Zips and Thompson and the Mash, Ginelli, whatever, is not just because of the, what the community tells them is the right choice. It's also because like, yeah, they're good bikes, they're good parts. It's, it's whatever, but it's also kind of like a friend of a friend told me this is the good part, so I'm doing it now as well, even though they don't, even though they don't really understand why they're doing it. I think that's yeah. just really common in everything. Like people tell you, don't, don't use this cranks over these other cranks. Don't use those hub types over these hub types, and then you just repeat what other people have said. And in the end, no one really knows how it started. It's just somehow it, it just like it's like a forest fire it just caught caught fire and spread through the community and no one really knows why i mean of course there's there's going to be some part of it that's true but like the origin is really really blurry that's like the other side of people influencing each other is on one side you have social medias when where i mean instagram you have access to a database of picture that is almost infinite and there's a lot of fixed gear riders on instagram so you can see a ton of different bikes, but there is also like everything that is in your direct proximity, events, races, group rides, your friends telling your bike is shit and you should, you should switch <laughs> that. Uh, all of those direct contact that you can see others, people, bikes in details and either it creates the envy to oh yeah i really want that or it creates um on the other way oh no i i don't want that i'd, I'd rather stick with my thompson stem for example i think it is even bigger than social medias you know people that goes into those massive group rides and they're seeing each other's bikes and I mean, you can try other people's bikes, something you can't do on Instagram and you can say, oh, yeah, I really like those wheels or because people are talking directly to each other. They're like, oh, well, I might sell them to you or I might, you know, we can trade something. I feel that kind of influence is even stronger than social medias. Yeah, I think they all they they each have like their own strengths and weaknesses, of course. Like at least like with social media, it's a bunch of people who think they can say whatever they want, right? Because it's strangers, I'm hidden, username, whatever. But then in person, of course, like and then with with sorry, sorry, with social media, is you can the benefit is you can just like not look, you can just turn it off, you don't have yeah. to post, whatever, you can block them. But in real life, you cannot get away from it. But at the same time, people are less likely to just start talking shit. Because mm. you're in real life, like I yeah, yeah, yeah. like you have to know someone pretty like well enough to be able to criticize their bike or anything about them or their choices. You could if you just go up to a person for the first time and be like, "Oh, actually, your handlebars are not really level, or your your saddle is kind of crooked." <laughs> you know, you'll, you'll just come off as like the annoying kid in class who asks like, "Oh, do we have homework? Are you gonna check the homework?" <laughs> you know, like that. Like Sir. no one's gonna like you. <laughs> where's the homework <laughs> exactly sir the break has been over for five minutes actually we should be going back to class <laughs> and he gets beaten up, up after class <laughs> 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 but so i think yeah. like of course uh, like the, the main thing between these two scenarios like social media and meeting people in real life is of course like the people those are the same uh, that's the common factor and it's just the different scenarios allow people or, or just allow people to say certain things yeah and like I mean have you seen the movie Into the Wild yeah I've seen that so in that movie like the guy he hates the way society is and blah blah so he isolates himself in the forest 
And like in a situation like that, yeah, you could really be gone from all the influences and stuff, and you could do build your bike however you wanted, and you know pro- probably be happy because no one is telling you you don't know any other option basically. Yeah. But that's like super extreme, and like I mentioned before, I think when you're just an older, more mature person, you just know how to deal with influences like these in in real life in a better way, and you can just. Listen to them. You 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 can be like, oh yeah, I understand what you're saying, but I like it this way, and that's it. You know, because right yeah. now I think younger people, such as myself and you, maybe or even younger, probably even younger, if people they don't say, it, they don't try to fight back or anything for most of the time, I and mean, they just you know slowly flow into the ideal, what people think is the ideal. Yeah. Have you seen that recent story about uh, men getting stranded on a remote island in uh, it's the Gilligan Island? Ah, yeah, yeah, the Gilligan Island, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and like this, uh, he or this spent twenty nine days on that island. The only thing they had to say after being rescued it was like, oh. It was a, a nice break from reality. Hashtag mood. <laughs> <laughs> Saying like big hashtag mood in the sand, you know, like yeah. so the helicopter can see it. But I feel that, you know, I definitely feel that sometimes I would just like to be able to turn off every forums, websites, social medias, um, even even social interactions and be like oh yeah i really want to focus on me and what i like and of course that is gonna have an effect on how i build or ride my bike yeah for sure like that's of course like like i mentioned like the extreme right yeah but uh, i mean i'm trying to like say it like without coming off as like a big dickhead that thinks he's better than everyone but since (laughs) i don't have facebook or instagram anymore it's so like relaxing it is so relaxing but you own an old city with okay describe it to us please oh man i haven't oh it's right next to me actually (laughs) (laughs) Uh, okay i own a pink purple fade all city big block with drop bars the deluxe richie you know like the the dotted stem Uh uh-huh uh, I don't know what saddle is actually. A Thompson seat post, a silver one that I paid too much for <laughs> in Blue Lug in Japan. And uh, this is, I really regret that actually. <laughs> uh, an Apidura frame bag. Also, and I don't really regret that. It's super useful. But like, I would have gone with a different brand at this point. Um, Zodiac chain ring that you got me. Yeah. GP4 season, uh, tires. And, uh, Asioma power meter pedals. Okay, so apart from the chain ring that is custom made for you... And Chris King headset, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> so the Chris it's King headset... It's a pretty default. Yeah, so like the headset, the... I mean, to be fair, to be fair, in my defense, okay? In my defense, I built this when I still had Instagram. So <laughs> I, I, back when I had Instagram, I had no thoughts of my own. I had no... They, they were forcing me, man. They were, they were holding me hostage. <laughs> I swear. But... I mean, and I have a front brake, okay? That wouldn't fly. That wouldn't fly on Instagram. True, true, true. What else wouldn't fly? Yeah. And I have a helmet hanging from, from my handlebars right now. You have what? A helmet. That's no go. <laughs> helmet brake. Oh my god, I might, might as well be a grandpa, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like, that's the thing, because once I have my. Actually, no, because I bought, I was going to say, once I have my little wing, I'll build it the way I want to build it. But I, re- I already have the zip wheel set I bought like two years ago. <laughs> so, but I don't know, besides that, I mean, there, I was going to say, like, there are only so many, there are only so many options you can have in the way to build a bike. I think like the main, like a really big deciding, distinguishing factor between bike builds is the frame itself. And yeah. like... If you want to stand out too much, you get like dumbass bar handlebars or something. But besides that, you cannot really change it that much. Like, especially with fixed gear, when the choice of parts is somehow really wide, 
but somehow also really, really narrow. Yeah. You know, it's always the same thing. It's like a stand, a hunter a seat post, a saddle, a crank, a chain ring, and a pair of wheels. Yeah. That's it. That's all there is to it. And like, especially like, of course, like the, 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 the more, the parts are more valued by the community are the more expensive parts, but these are also more expensive because to some extent they're higher quality. So if you want to have higher quality parts, you have even less choice. Like, True. Like you can have, let's say for, for chain rings, there's Arn, there's, I mean, I mean, this is also difficult to say because like Mish, Mika, they're also fine. They're good chain rings, but like they're seen as cheaper, cheaper products, even though they're the same. Yeah. For the most part, you know? So, I mean, yeah, so some things are like, you can stand out, but other things you don't really have much choice if you want good quality products just because there is not that much else. Yeah, 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 no, I get that. So, just to sum it up real quick, basically the two ways you can get influenced by are social medias and internet and also like direct proximity, people around you, events, races, etc. Okay, so... Who are the biggest influencers then? Uh, of course, well, influencers themselves. Uh, yeah. Duh. Um, but also brand marketing is a big one. Yeah. Biggest influencers. DN. DN. DN? These nuts. <laughs> Fuck you. <yeah. laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, <laughs> you're a fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Uh, yeah, <laughs> influencers, of course, uh, brands, and then there's like, I mean, anyone that produces content is kind of already an influencer. But then there are also people who are influencers because they're influencers. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's so, also pro pro athletes. Yes, like all of these. If we want to be like liberal with how we define the influencer, all of these different things are influencers in in a way. Yeah. But then they're also influence influencers. Like everyone yeah. else is kind of influences just by doing their own thing, and then influencers influence because they want to influence. <sighs> so many <Whoa>. words, <laughs> bro. It's like that one meme, the like the um, pimp my ride, bro. I heard you like influencers. So I put influencers in your influencers. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, talking yeah, about brand marketing, um, I kind of wanted to make a, a stop on Rafa and how, I mean, Rafa's marketing into cycling is the one that's, that's probably working the best and how crazy Rafa got over the, the few, the, like the recent years, right? Because Rafa, they're not doing marketing as everyone else, I feel. They're not trying to sell. I mean, that's not me saying that. It's uh, the one guy from Rafa. It's like, I wanted our brand to connect with the audience. We know why you love cycling. We love it too, for the same reason. So we don't go to market by saying, we make great jerseys. We go to market by saying road cycling is absolutely amazing. Yeah. That's an approach of marketing that is super interesting. And I don't I understand why they blew up, you know? And this is kind of similar to what we talked about, I think, in the pre-show about QBP owning like um so QBP quality bike parts is a conglomerate that owns Surly, um, All City, Whiskey, and these other companies, Telsa. And I think this is kind of similar in that sense where these little companies, or what we think are little companies, Surly, All City, they, they portray themselves as being like just another person in the community who likes cycling, who is just like one of you guys, you know, like we're just a, a small bicycle company. We just like cycling and selling and, and making cycling products, right? And that's, yeah. And that's a, like a marketing approach in itself by seeming like a regular, you know, like a friend, friendly company or something. Yeah, yeah. And like with Ra what Rafa is doing also seems kind of like that when you when you talk about it like this, that no, we're not trying to sell you guys things. We just like making things because we like cycling and you can buy them if you want. Kind of like that, you know? Yeah. 
and it it works. I mean, it, uh, like it can work. It has worked on me. I have raffle stuff, and like you can you can kind of understand it as well because they back this up with what they supply. They make great quality stuff, so it's not just empty words in that way. But at the same time, I think it's kind of disingenuous to to call them call themselves as like. We're selling you things because we love cycling. Like I'm sure it's part of it or something. Maybe in the beginning, but now they're a massive company as well. Yeah, I, in their article, I'm gonna link into the show notes uh, about like how Rafa became so what it is today and so mainstream and so known to everybody, and everybody wants Rafa, etc. Um, there is a part on. There is a part on bike messengers yeah uh and the fact that they were like the anti-establishment the rebels and they were building their own exciting counterculture kind of yeah and the fact that rafa kind of went on that vibe of oh yeah messengers and fixie boys are doing this but look at us we are doing real cycling and we need the real jerseys <laughs> yeah so like they find a way to stand out right yeah just with like definitely. like especially with like bold statements like that or you know like they try and they like with business business in general is like you have to find like a niche group and then you target it and you get the customers and stuff mm. and i mean i don't know how old rafa is but They've been around a long time, I think, and they've built that reputation. It's like similar to Mash, where because they have good quality products, but they also sell them for an extra premium for their name. Yeah, and that's just like like what they can afford to do because they've put so much effort and work into it, of course. But you can see this trend with other like cycling wear uh, brands such as uh, Panormal. That's the top, the one that pops from the top of my head, and Matt. Map, yeah, map, map. That's the one. It's like yeah. pas normal. I think is is Belgian or French or something. No, I think it's like northern countries, like Sweden or something. Really? Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, Denmark. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Denmark. But anyway, like they they have also like this marketing of like if you wear this, you look at us. We're wearing these. We're going fast on like smooth tarmac. Going, they have nice bikes. We're we're fit. We're going crazy kilometers and stuff. And people just associate these things with like, oh, if I buy that, I can do the same thing. I, I will look good. I will be fast. I will, you know, be stronger. And yeah. Just these things, they like influence you. And I think it's the same thing with like fix your cycling. That if you think if you buy these certain things, you'll be part of the community. You'll have more fun. You'll have a better bike. You'll, you know, whatever. Like it just gives you these ideas just because you're making the connections between, oh, they have this thing these parts and they're smiling on the picture. So they must be happy because of these things or something, something like that, you know? Yeah. To, to what I was saying just before about, uh, bike messenger counterculture and Rafa, uh, to be fair, Rafa never publicly said like the fixie boys are not our things. Right. But you, I mean, you kind of feel that they played on that aspect of Look at this counter at this counterculture. It is cool, but that's not what we're into. But we're all really good in what we are doing. Do you understand? Yeah. Does does that make sense? Yeah. yeah it just shows that they're specializing in, in one thing, right? Exactly. Yeah. And did you know that Rafa they had like a very very private club, like the Rafa Cycling Club. I mean, I know it, but I didn't know it was very private. I mean, no, it's not really private, but the your membership is 130 pounds, which is like $150 or something. What do you get? So you get, so for that enterprise, you get, well, your member now, uh, and you can purchase because you still need to purchase uh, the the club kit. So I get the I guess ah, the, I yeah, the yeah. bib and jersey, and you also have a black card, 
which gets you free coffee at the Rafa stores and other benefits. I was but, like, what do you get for spending 150 euros on this? A slap in yeah. the face. You stupid motherfucker. Why would you spend money on this? <laughs> <laughs> I, on, on one side, I feel like, yeah, 150 um, euros or dollars a year for something that, let's, let's say yeah, the, the archetype of the guy wearing Rafa has probably a tarmac seven or some kind of specialized that he's riding onto uh that's not that much you know 150 euros or dollars on the other end it's like a really clever way to for rafa to say oh you're part of the family now you know yeah so let me understand correctly if you spend 150 you get the kit as well or you can buy you have the chance no to, you're allowed to buy you the have kit. the chance to buy the kit That's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Because I see like at least on, I mean, not, they might have changed it now, but I'm looking at the website now and it says, you don't even get free coffee, you get 50% off coffee. Oh, wow. And you get 50% off express shipping and like some, <laughs> some other things. But like, Wait, only express shipping, not normal shipping? No, half price express shipping. I mean, like, oh, like I think God. if you, you get free shipping anyway with, with the other things, but... Uh. But I can see, like, you get discounts, you get weekly club rides, <sighs> basic personal injury insurance with yellow jersey. Like, these things, you know I mean? Like, if you're really supporting... Actually, no, I cannot really understand. Like, <laughs> you know, I was like, I was trying to, like, justify it a bit, but you cannot. It is, it's, it's, yeah. it's difficult to justify it. But I guess for people that are really into Rafa community and Rafa things, 150 bucks, or what, what is it, like, 12, like 11... $11 a month, less than that even. Mm. It's not that big of a deal for these benefits, like cycling within with the club and everything. Yeah. And the the Rafa's company's principle are love the sport, make it part of your life, inspire others, so <laughs> spread the world around you, basically, but also think for yourself. Hmm. It's like... It's so clever marketing, you know? It's like, you're part of the family, and you are you, and it's fine. But if you could spread the world around you that Rafa's is awesome, then you should definitely do so. You <laughs> yeah, should also like... definitely spread the world around you that that podcast is awesome, and other people should listen to it. Guys, guys, you're all part of the family, okay? If, since you're part of the family, you have to... Family helps family. Spread the word. <laughs> That's how it works, right? Something It's like a like Fast and Furious episode. It's like, uh, family. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Toretto? Why are you here? Family. Family. Oh, man. Rafa is so expensive. But like, yeah. Yeah, that's like the thing, right? Like the marketing, it makes you think that, okay, maybe 280 bucks for bib shorts is not that much. But it's crazy. Like if you were living, if you if you didn't, If you had no idea of Rafa and you wanted some bib shorts and you only maybe heard that they're good or something, but you never saw the ads or anything like that, you would think they're insane. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, they are really clever. Yeah. In the show notes, I was like, Rafa also have a luxury club, ultra expensive, and I wrote down 13,000 pounds, but I didn't see the little dot in the middle, so it's... 130 pounds no okay. <laughs> not, not not 13k per year <laughs> every year you get you get free coffee and a, and a new trek domain <laughs> it's for you get it <laughs> rental <laughs> rental <laughs> but yeah so to sum it up rafa's and other brands marketing is extremely clever on how they make you feel like you're part of something and you are part of something it's not a lie but don't forget that it is also a big company that is here to make money but they're also here to make quality products so uh, yeah difficult and that's kind of what i'm saying like right it's, it's like a win-win they want to make money the people want good products they so they buy good products they're happy the company gets money everyone's happy in the ideal yeah. world right yeah Is this is this the this new world? 
No, Disney World is not perfect. <laughs> Have you seen sad Soul? The, the movie Soul? It's kind of really sad. Oh no, it, look, it looked fun. It, you haven't seen it yet? I saw the trailer. It's a really good movie, though. It's a really good movie, and but it is also a big reflection on yourself and where you're going. Like, you finish the movie and you're like, I am one and so many others, and what is my goal, you know? Like, I'm 25, I'm watching Disney movies still. Still, what am I doing with my life? <laughs> exactly. No. no. But like, it's kind of strange just to go on and like, a bit off topic, but there's some people who are really into Disney, you know? Like, yeah. It's like kids are really into Disney, some of them, but then there are also adults who are crazy into Disney. Like, crazy. Yeah. I was I was looking at well Japanese videos again and a guy was talking about that premium membership that you can buy for Disney World and you get access to like the hypest Disney restaurant but there is also also like a limited amount of let's say VIP cars distributed per year so you need to be on the waiting list to pay to be part of that crazy Disney World elite. And this, and this brings us back to the main show, I think. Because you know how, how just, to, just to talk about MASH again, you had to, to pay, I mean, I don't know if you had to, but they were saying you had to pay 50 cents to win a chance to pay a thousand bucks for a frame. Yeah, uh, they changed that, yeah. and you finally, uh, you only had to send an email yeah. with <laughs> what you wanted. But yeah, the beginning was that, like, oh, buy a lottery ticket for fifty cents, and you get the chance to, to buy, buy a thousand, <laughs> yeah, to buy like a thousand dollars frame. They shoot their shot. They didn't really work the the way they wanted. I don't know if they're gonna do that again. But I mean, yeah, they tried. I think it like it's not even like the amount of money that's the problem. Like fifty cents is nothing, of course, especially yeah. for someone spending a thousand on the frame. But it's just like the principle that instead of either producing more more bikes or having a more sophisticated system, the idea is to send them money, and then you have a chance to send them more money. Like yeah, it's insane. Like I was looking at internships recently online, and. And lots of internships, they either give like little amount of money, like let's say like 200, 300, 400 a month. Some of them give less, like 100 a month. And there was one you had to pay to be an intern. You had to, pay, you had to pay the company money to work for them for free. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, no, that's fucked. So it's, I, I know you can, you can draw like, like parallels between all of these, like the Disney idea, the the mash idea like the internship idea like as a consumer you should never have to pay to have to pay again for something else yeah like definitely but yeah anyway i mean but if you look at video games you have to pay once and then you have to pay again if you want like a dlc or something yeah and that's also like a big fucked up thing now especially because i remember like 10 years ago games they would come out and they would have everything included already, like different outfits and shit like that, right? That was all part of the, the 60 euros or whatever. And I mean, then of course there were still like expansion packs that you buy extra, but those were like, like entire games by themselves almost. But now you have like all these DLCs, tiny DLCs, five euros here, four euros there, etc. And after spending like hundred euros total, you have a game that would have been sold for 50 euros 10 years ago. Yeah. But yeah, anyway. You get it, people. We live in a fucked world. No, <laughs> no but like, anyway, back to like the influencers thing. It's like these, like yeah, marketing is a big part of of how a brand influences you into think into like brainwashing is a strong word, but like how into 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 influencing you that their product is worth the money they want for it. And with yeah. with, with brands such as Mash or, or anything else, they're so stable. They're so they're not going anywhere. They're so stable in the fixture community. They they can get away with things like that. Like if a new company or like a company that's only half a year old would say, send us 50 cents so that we give you get a chance. Maybe you can buy the buy something from us, but you have to pay us first just so you can get, you know, have a chance. The, the community would eat them up. They would 
eat a company. You think out. so? Yeah, hundred percent. If if a company that didn't have a reputation like Mash would try that, like they would just get laughed out of the room. Mm. It's 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 uh, for me. It's just like a really mind-boggling thing how they think they can, like, even bring up the idea, paying the money to to spend even more money, a crazy amount of money on something already that's already like extra expensive because of the brand itself. You know, the least they can yeah. do is 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 come up with like a proper system to make it, you know, to make it possible for people to buy it. Yeah, the least they can do is to to come up with a system where you don't have to that the consumer doesn't have to do so much work to get what they want to buy and that they are selling. But I'm just ranting to, about Mash now, so we should probably move on. Yeah, but like talking about that example in particular, then do you think that uh, so getting a Mash frame is difficult? Yes. Or and or and it is expensive. Depends on your financial situation. But do you think the feeling of expensive, like expensive stuff, right? Uh, and the feeling of inaccessibility creates more envy and then influence you more into, I really want that because it's rarer, kind of? For sure. Like, I mean, of, of course you have like, like bicycle collectors who don't really show off their stuff. I think during Amy Dangerous, during the podcast episode with Amy Danger, I talked about this book I had of all these rare Japanese steel bikes and how I checked in the back of the book how most of them were owned by this one person. They, I could see their full name. And I googled them. I couldn't find anything about them. So there are these people who just collect bikes because they think they're cool, they appreciate them for what they are, but they don't really share them on Instagram or anything. So they don't need like the validation from anyone else, so to say. But then in in other cases people want a rare bike often because not just because it's a rare piece of history but because they want other people to know that they have a rare bike and to be envious of the bike and to be like oh it's a cool bike it's so rare how did you get that you know stuff like that mm -hmm. so yeah. i mean of course it's it's a mixture of both like they like the bike by itself of course but they also do it to have a reputation or like to have like street cred or whatever so if mm. if you take that away, I can I, I can I can really gamble that most people wouldn't be spending crazy amounts of money on these frames that like maybe if they didn't have validation from others, they probably wouldn't care that much about these frames to begin with. I mean maybe I'm talking about myself here as well with like the Candale track. Like I got it because I thought it was so cool. I and mean, it was cool. And but why did I think it was cool? It was cool because everyone else thinks it was thinks it was cool. And then I got it and now it's under my bed since the last two years. So, yeah, like, it's it's kind of it's like a mixture, of course. And there's extremes, and people are you know it's, it's it's dynamic. True. I really want to get that candle, by the way. Let me yeah. know if it, when it gets under your bed. <laughs> I mean, out of under your bed. You have your own candle track. <laughs> I do have my own candle track. It is nine thousand kilometers away. Uh, that's like what three days of cycling. <laughs> <laughs> okay. On another note, um, what about pros and athletes? So people that are not directly influencing on social medias because they're just pros that are writing and training. But of course, they have sponsors and you can see what they ride. You can see what glasses they wear. You can see what helmet they have. That also must have some kind of influence. On, the, on one hand, I can totally understand that for... Uh, pro cyclist into like roadies okay because that pinarello or that trek uh, or that specialized you can buy it tomorrow right you can you can find a way you can find a reseller and you can have it if you have a lot of money but track bikes even if all of the, you know, like we talked about the Olympics, the Olympics, we said that every bikes need to be available for the masses, you know, on the yeah. market. Truth is, how the fuck do you get like one of those Hope Lotus bikes? How? You don't. You, you just membership. don't. <laughs> so 
track cycling and the pro cyclists into track cycling, do they really have an influence on what do you buy? I mean, like how many people that you know in the cycling, in the fixture community actually follows track cycling? Like, I don't think that many. Not that much. So I don't think they really have any influence. Like, the bikes, for example, MASH and Surly and, like, All City, they make, like, casual fixed gear bikes. They don't really make track-track bikes. Yeah. You could argue, for example, that the innovation from Tour de France and, like, the World Tour and stuff, it, it innovates in the cycling industry and makes road bikes change in a certain way for the consumer. But for fixed gear specifically, it doesn't really... The changes in the track world, like the professional track cycling world, like the the Hope X Lotus bike and the Malaysian Works bike and stuff, they don't really affect how Mash and Surly and, and All City make their bikes. So I don't think it really affects how yeah. how people buy or how, what they prefer in the fixed community. So of course, maybe like if they say like, oh, our cha- our bespoke chain rings were used in the Olympics, then people are like, oh wow, I should get that one. It's high quality, tested by professionals like something like that then maybe you know like there's some works there but I think dude over- the chronos chain rings the chronos chain rings bro the chronos chain rings they they make toasters and chain rings it's crazy <laughs> the fucking chronos like <laughs> oh god it's, it's, it's like yeah. it's, it's like the same kind of marketing like spiel as like aerospace quality aerospace titanium and like aerospace is like I don't know like doesn't say anything. They give you they give you the me- same metal as they use in the bathroom of some airline. It doesn't mean anything. <laughs> yeah, I think like if there's an influence from pros to uh, the consumer into things here, it would be more from um, crits. You know. Yeah. Ah, talking about that actually, I, we were talking about like how the, you could be influenced at like events like that, crits and stuff. I was just curious. I was looking like NL crit series. The last crit of the the year is tomorrow. <laughs> oh yeah. I was like, I mean, I'll go there just to watch. Oh the, hell the yeah. The last fix your crit. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a thing when you live in the Netherlands. You're like, oh yeah, it's tomorrow. I might go there because I know I can go anywhere in that country in less than four hours. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty much. It's only like an hour away or something. <laughs> so, I'm like, okay. I was like, ah. It'd be fun because I've only been to one other crit in the Netherlands and it was, it was cool. Like Canyon, Canyon is there, like always Canyon is everywhere. And there was like, there was like a hot dog stand. There were like drinks and music. It was cool. So <laughs> of course there. the food first. Yeah. The food. I'm just going to be there munching as these guys are sweating their asses off. Is it, is it road crit or fixed gear crit? Oh, uh, fixed gear crit. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, hell yeah. That's cool. But I remember it's, the the most common wheels are always fast. No, no. What's it called? Spin on these. I oh yeah. They're so common in the Netherlands. I think it might be a Dutch company. I don't think so. I think spin on wheels is American. Ah, it's UK. Ooh, okay. But I remember I, I saw I see them like all of these spon- these teams in the Netherlands are always sponsored by spin on these. For some reason. Yeah. For now. For now, yeah. <laughs> Precision handcrafted England since 007. Uh, 007. Interesting. 007. Really British. Really British. There's a new gems one, by the way. Yeah, I watched it. Is it good? Yeah, it's alright. Ah, okay. Like, it, it, it's fun. It's fun. It's fun. It's, but, like, you know what happens, basically. It's pretty predictable. But it, it's fun. Yeah. I mean, that's what a gems one is. He <laughs> always wins in, in the end. Oh, oh man! Yeah, I, I, oh, I just bought my spoiled the movie by making this reaction to that. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Just uh, to to close the the episode, have you ever had that kind of moment when you look at your bike, or I don't know, you do something, and you're like, "Oh man." That's definitely not from me. I've definitely seen that somewhere and I am redoing it. Oh, first part, yes, but second part, no. It's like, I don't know if I would redo something because like, it works. But 
for example, like I mentioned with the big block, the Thompson seat post, I would, n- I'm never ever gonna buy Thompson again. At least like for what I paid. Uh huh. Like, okay, so I paid, what was it, like 70 bucks for it new. And I don't know if, if I would even, if I would even spend 40 bucks on it. It's a seat post. I can get a silver seat post for 15. Like, it doesn't make a difference to me. But yeah. I, 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 I thought it makes a difference because everyone else is like, ah, oh, Thompson, good stuff. It looks cool, you know? But I'm like, it's literally under my ass. <laughs> well, what do I care? <laughs> Same with Apidura. Apidura has really good marketing and their, their stuff is really good, but it's just expensive for what it is. And I think next time I would just go with something like handmade by like a, by a person in the Netherlands for the same price. Yeah. I feel Apidura is pretty unexpensive compared to a lot of um handmade yeah compared to that you know? it's it's still doable but like for example like i paid what was it, like 110 for a frame bag and i can get for i had like a nice handmade personal one for like 130 you know mm. in the netherlands and also i thought they were made in the in in the uk but they were designed in the uk and made in fucking china that's like a double double oof as you do with a lot of things, but yeah. Yeah, yeah, because like for example your bags, they're they're made in California. They're actually made in California. So that's why the price is higher. And that makes sense. You pay for the craftsmanship. But yeah. this one is like you know. So next time I will either go with something cheaper made in China or something more expensive made in the Netherlands. But I'm not going with something kind of expensive made in China. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, even though it's good quality, like it being made in China doesn't mean it's bad quality. It just means that I'd rather be supporting like people making it themselves in Europe. True. What else? What else is there? At I least my tires. One example. At least my tires. Oh. The GP4 GP4 seasons. Those are made in Germany, handmade in Germany. So <laughs> eighty bucks for two of them. <laughs> oh my god! So nice. <laughs> I can give you one example that happened to me um, a few, well, it was like what, a year ago. So I got that mash work for a while now and I've been switching up parts on it for forever, basically. Always switching handle and adding a rack, removing a rack, uh, switching wheels, etc. And I remember that was a year ago, I put a pair of four fours on it and I think it had the rack at the time. And yeah, like Thompson seat post, collar saddle or something like that. And I put it against the fence and I look at it because I was waiting for someone and I was like, shit, I have that deja vu thing. I've seen that bike somewhere else before. (laughs) And I'm like, fuck, 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 fuck. So I go back to uh, my PC and I have like that, I don't know, like 30 gigabytes folder of bike pictures. Holy shit. Yeah. (laughs) Comes from Instagram saved pictures, comes from forums, comes from eBay listing, um, a lot of different places. And I looked through the pictures and then I found it and that it could have been my bike. Exact same bike of like a bike check from W base of, uh, I think, Chaz bikes that was like in 2015 or something like that. And I was like, I just got inceptioned by that pictures years ago. And... Now I replicated the exact same thing without even noticing it. That's fucked. It's like so deep in your subconscious, like spirit. It's controlling what all these choices you make, and you think they're your own choices, but someone else makes them. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then I'm like, "Fuck that! Please no." It's scary, right? What? It's scary, right? Yeah, it's scary. It's scary. <sighs> anyway but like I guess end, that's a yeah just like in the end I mean even if all these ideas are not original to any of you guys listening any of your ideas with your bikes like 
I'm sure you're still having fun with them, right? And that's like one of the main things, at least. But it's just important to know that it's not really important what people think about your bike. It's important what you think about it, right? Yeah, if you like it, that's the main thing, you know? And if people are willing to talk shit about your bike to you, then you probably don't want to be around those people anyway. Yeah, S- send them to us. We're going to solve the problem. Yes. With violence. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, no, we're going to get cancelled, man. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, pretty good way to, to round off this episode. Um, just, yeah, enjoy your bike. Build it the way you want it. Uh, it's... I mean, if it's good looking to you, it's the main thing, you know. If you enjoy riding it, it's the main thing. Cycling. Um, I'm talking about all the roadies out there. You don't need to have a Trek domain or a Mondo or whatever to to be the fastest guy in the pack. Just show them with your steel frame that you can be the MVP out there. <laughs> it just really helps to have an expensive bike, though. Okay, we cannot we cannot say anything about that. <laughs> true, true. All right. Um one last thing before yes. we do the outro. Uh so, well, we have a little message. So I think as we said, maybe it wasn't a pre-show, but this is a special episode. Because this might be my last episode for a while as co-host of this podcast. Uh unfortunately I have some other priorities in life right now and i cannot give this podcast the attention it deserves because it's a really fun thing and you guys really love the podcast and i would love to give it my full attention and i'm afraid that if i cannot give it full attention the quality will go down and it's not nice for any of us so this might be the last episode for a long time but hopefully i can be back in the future if if i can maybe as a guest co-host or something or i don't know but just for now, at least. Yeah. Anyway, we hope you enjoyed this episode. Yeah, and it's not like Fabian is not part of Slow Spin anymore or anything. Uh, we are still both active on the Discord. I will not continue the podcast on my own. Uh, Rob will take it from there and uh, Rob will be the new let's say reference co-host from now uh he's really excited to do the podcast and that's awesome we figured that it would be better for fabian to tell things now and you know like we we've only been through i don't know like 36 episodes together and it was awesome and i think it's better to say to take a break now rather than continue doing the podcast while not enjoying it yeah because you guys at home can feel the vibe we're in when i'm listening again and mixing the podcast i can feel the vibe we're in so let's let's just continue to have a good vibe even if it's was a different person and you will come back uh but just not right now because uni and everything and yeah yeah so and Rob is a really cool guy. It was really had fun having the two episodes we had with him, or at least I had with him. So I'm sure you guys will love him as well. Yeah, exactly. Uh, thank you guys for listening to this episode. I'm gonna do the outro. Of course, everything we discussed today will be in the show notes on the blog, slowspensidey.com. You'll also find the suggestion box where you can tell us what we should talk about in the podcast or you can send a message and I will transfer it to Fabian. Like, oh man, it was really cool to hear from you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we both have access to that mailbox, so you'll see them. <laughs> uh, you can find us on our Discord server. The invite link is also in the show notes uh, or with our Instagram account at Society. Sharing the podcast with your friends is by far the easiest way to support the show by giving us a good review on the platform of your choice. If you get value out of the show, why not consider putting value back in, either by supporting us on Apple Podcasts or by visiting patreon.com slash slowspinsocietypodcast to join the community where pledging at any level will grant you access to the pre and after show, which is around 40 minutes of extra content per week. We are now at 27 Patreons. As always, thank you so much for your support. The music for the show is Loveless Windler by Maria, and the illustration is by me, 
It was a blast recording with you today, Fabian. We're gonna go on to the after show. See you guys. See you next Monday. Bye bye. Goodbye.